Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Feminist Affirmations. We are so excited and happy to have everybody here. Um, my name is Claudia, and I am one of the Affirm New York, New Jersey co-coordinators. Um, Feminist Affirmations um, and the Affirm New York chapter is your local branch of Affirm National, an organization of transnational women engaged in theory and practice of intersectional and transnational feminism. Um, we are constantly developing a strong political voice for ourselves as transnational women coming from more than one place, one history, one culture, one language. Um, and that's essentially what our podcast is about as well, is like giving, giving that a voice. Um, and so today we're super excited um, to talk about uh, the militarization of regeneration and reproduction, um, particularly um, in the context of Earth Day, right? Like what even is Earth Day and how can uh, we ensure that Earth Day is politicized and that we're honoring the land, right? Not just with an Instagram post, not just with like a, a oh, I enjoy being outdoors post, right? But um, um, what is the conditions of the land right now? Um, and so we're so honored today to, to have some of our Affirm Hawaii sisters with us um, to talk more about this. Um, that's enough with my intro. <laughs> um, we also have another from sister um, who's with us today, who's gonna be uh, guiding us in the conversation. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Noor and I'm a member of the New York Affirm chapter. I'm a Palestinian Jordanian based out of Brooklyn, New York. I'm a sculptor, a writer, a philosopher and an educator. And today we are honored to present our sisters from the Hawaii Affirm chapter who have been fighting for the land. And most recently they fought to protect Mauna Awakea, which they will expand upon. Um, can you each introduce yourselves? And Yvonne, can you start us off? If you can please introduce yourself and tell our listeners about who you are and what you do. Hui. Aloha mai, um, ova o Ivana Helona, no nana kuli mayao, noha alma, como ili ili, aloha everybody. My name is Ivana Mahelona. I'm from the west side of Oahu. I'm currently living como ili ili, otherwise known as Honolulu area. I am a kia'i, as my sisters mentioned, um, of Mauna Wakea and of the greater Hawaii um, altogether. Um, I'm also a breath worker and a student midwife. Aloha, I'm Anuhia Kanyali from Kiwalo Uka, Oahu. I am an educator and still lifelong student, also Kia'i of Manawakia and the entire Paiaina of Hawaii. <laughs> Aloha, I am Farron Jones. I uh, grew up in Maili, Waianae district. Uh, currently living in Kapalama, Oahu. Um, currently unemployed, but that's okay. Learn to make my ends meet by farming and getting into the soil. And 
Yeah, Kia yeah. Ia Mauna Kea as well, but frontline for farmers too. So yes. Aloha nui kako o vau makanani malia gongs. Um, he kupa aina o waipio alua. Uh, ma waipio alua lawa o puna makamoku puni o kiawe. Um, Ihanai ai. Um, he leo o uh, makikula nui o Hawaii ma manuane. Um, maka ike Hawaii uh, ma kamakako kalani. Um, aloha, my name is Makanalani Malia Gomes. Um, I am a child of Waipio on the island of Oahu. Um, and I was also raised here on in Waipio on Oahu and um, in Puna, in the Moko of Puna um, on Hawaii Island. My ohana is from um, Ola'a, that's my um, Filipina um, Haole ohana. And then my kupuna, um, Hawaii, were also from uh, Moku and reside in uh, Kapahu and Kalapana. Um, Opihikau area, and um, I am a Haumana Laio'o, or um, a master's student at um, Kamakako Kalani, uh, the Center for Hawaiian Studies at the University of Hawaii at um, Manoa. Mahalo. Beautiful. Thank you so much for the introductions, and it is such an honor to be with all of you here. Um, our first question is, when we think about Indigenous peoples and their land, there's been a narrative that paints these communities are as barbaric because of their relationship to the land. This narrative historically and globally has been used to normalize land and indigenous exploitation. Can you speak about the narrative that has been that has normalized exploitation of Hawaii and its people? Um well, I um I think that we're all going to like drop history lessons and it's really just gonna <laughs> flow through this whole podcast. But um, yeah, the normalization of exploitation in Hawaii. <laughs> um, for me, what first comes to mind is Hawaii as like a port um, for like whalers. Um, and then like how I see the history is like, right, they come here for whaling and our other resources. Um, and then within the greater industry that is whaling and like, you know, everyone just sailing everywhere across the world and being like, oh my God, Hawaii, this little island paradise in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, it's freaking lit over there other whalers and other explorers let's let's go there um and it's just yeah it it was just that from the beginning and still today um just i think what is it called the fallacy of um of paradise the fallacy of paradise thank you Makana. Yeah, I think what Vaughn is saying is is spot on, right? It's that foul. I mean, I think and we all can probably share little pockets of our experiences growing up in um, you know, and I think what we generally kind of talked about in prepping for this is right, that fallacy of paradise. Like again, it goes back to that manifest destiny, right? God, glory, um, and gold. 
right? Except ours wasn't necessarily gold, right? In Mokuhonu and Turtle Island, there there are rumors or there are really finding gold oil, but ours was um, whaling, um, sandalwood, um, what we call iliahi, um, and then what then I guess kind of evolves into sugar sugar cane as well as pineapple. Um, but it, it but I think the greatest analogy. Um, that we all often talk about is is the this idea of the fallacy of paradise going back to that hula girl going back to this barbaric like oh they're topless women they're just asking for it right so again it again it also this long-standing history of supporting rape culture they're asking for that right their titties are out so they're asking for it actually we live in a hot place and this is how we operate and we're not commodified and and we're here to you know like feed our children and this is this is how we live. This is a part of that acknowledgement of like, there's no difference between the the land and the women and and women and us because there's that um, you know it's it's a totally flowing idea that we're not here for commodification and so really their ideals are barbaric, in the sense that pimping both land and people are a thing, like an actual commodification. That there are things that are less than and that there are things that are greater than and then it also translates to people that are greater than and people that are less than and then therefore you know we then become commodities um once there's this idea like Vaughn had said with whaling they come in and they're like well let's while we're doing this let's also take these people for for granted for for their goods right whether it's their physical body their their sexuality and their free expression of that, or it's or their exotic uh, exoticizedness, which also gets married into the fallacy of paradise. Um, but you know, and then we also talked about that aloha. Our aloha is not for everyone, and that's unfortunately something that we're taught from small kid time is that we have to aloha everyone. And truly, I think now as we're all growing up, like we realize that, especially from the Mauna, like this is not for everyone our bodies, our ancestral homelands is not for everyone because everyone is not gonna appreciate them and steward them and really live in um, in unison with them. Yeah, and I think, you know, we probably have really personal stories or, or overlaying stories that, that folks can share. Um, so I'm gonna just toss it over to my fellow titas. Yeah, one of the things when, um, you know, both of y'all were talking that uh, really kind of like stood out was the word commodifying, right? Like commodification. And um, part, I, I think about that even in the context of like Earth Day, right? Like the fact that so many corporations have jumped onto like the commodification of Earth Day, right? Like everyone cares about Earth Day now, right? Especially these corporations who are like, basically like the new colonizer in the sense that like all over the world, you see them extracting um, like resources, people, um, land, right? For profit. Um, and so like, literally like nothing, it, it almost feels like nothing is safe, right? Like in, in this, like, neo like liberal like neo capitalist or like ultimate capitalist world that we're living in so i'm wondering like um 
what do y'all feel like, particularly in Hawaii, where you don't just see commodification in the sense of like, um, you know, the, 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 the business owners, right? But also like the military, like we know that there's a lot of military presence in Hawaii. So like, um, can y'all talk about like the role that, that that's played in supporting and, and sponsoring the exploitation? I would say that the military heavily tries to influence on the Hawaiian Kanaka community trying to say, oh, if you join the military, you will help your ohana and provide for them because our families are living on our own lands and we're suffering, we're in poverty. A lot of, most of our prisons are made up of Kanaka people. So lots of times, a lot of our men and women go into the service thinking that they're gonna make a better lives for their families, but it doesn't always end up that way. And then they try to, oh, you want, can make a business, come work on base and you can open up and then you can be successful. And it just really exemplifies how they try to brainwash, how they're going to help us. But really they're not, they're still just helping up themselves and we're still suffering all this time. True, because it's like, we know what we need yeah. to thrive, to not be struggling. We need our land, which you, the US military owns 25% of our lands in Hawaii. And a lot of them are like 100 year leases for a freaking dollar. So, and yeah, it is. And I think we all have like, his, like we seen like JROTC was like the hit thing in high school, right? Mm -hmm. And like, we see all of the recruiters like going mm -hmm. for our cousins or our friends and it's, it's very like predatory. Um, another one may not be joined the military, but I have my mom, my brother, and a handful of cousins, aunties, and uncles who joined Pearl Harbor with a quote, we keep them fit to fight. And so it's just the separation of the pollution that they throw into the oceans at Pearl Harbor. And it's like, mom, don't you get it? Can't you see, you know, like, how is that even fun or balanced? And so um, maybe not military, but working alongside. And she always comes back like, it's my bread and butter, you know, it's my money maker. And I understand, but it's a system that kind of keeps us linked with this military that we need to depend on them. We yes. don't. We cannot survive in Hawaii without them. Yeah. They really brainwash us with that. Um, the, the term commodification also made me think of uh, one of my mentors and a woman that I work with, her name is Rachel Watts. She talks about shortcut thinking. Um, so when you first start driving, right, you're, you're hyper aware, the mirror, the seatbelt, the everything, your surroundings, this person honk. But then the more you drive, you, you start from point A and you end up at point B and you have no idea how you got there, right? And the term commodification made me think of that example. Because like you're You've, they've created a shortcut thinking in which the commodification of the land, it trickles down the land to the people and to this narrative that you're talking about, right? Um, so how, how are some ways that you, you break that perception of, of um, like you're talking about the brainwashing and how the military tries to 
sell a narrative uh, that is supportive, but it's it's actually not, right? How are some ways you combat that? That's that's a that's the million dollar or good. That's the the vai vai, the prosperous, abundant question that we all still walking around circles, or we meet up at Mon's house and still like ah, over. It's worth um, it. Yeah. <laughs> Because all of us, I mean, all of us have worked. I mean, it might not necessarily be in the military, but that's a great example. If the fact, again, if we're using the acknowledge, if we're using the analogy that America is this pimp, right, and then that we're in a or or uh, that Hawaii is in an abusive relationship with America, and we are the byproducts, we are the the children of an abusive, toxic relationship with our parents, right, our ancestral homeland, and this fake this fake government that has taken away so much from so many different people and tried to ride out that they're a democracy um that we all we all have had to had some severely rough paths of decolonization you know and so perhaps the answer is decolonization but to how we get there bro that that's hard. We're on what 100 and we're, I think it's 128 years outside of, yeah, outside of the illegal overthrow of the Hawaiian monarchy. And, and really, I often tell people, you know, they, I read an article that it says for linguists for language, right? So at one point, it was, it was illegal to speak Hawaiian. Right prior to that, we are the most literate country in the world. Like literally we beat out Europe when they introduce the alphabet, when they introduce, we're the most literate. Like we are thriving. We're like, yeah, give us more to learn. Like we are great learners. We are, we are dynamic people. And then they cut up, right? Cause we know, right? I think it was Ningugi um, who says, and, and a philosopher out of, of, of Africa who says it's the cultural bomb, right? The cultural bomb is taking away someone's language because it is the carrier of culture, right? Like, cause just like how we said, we, we wanna be called Oya because we re recognize that we, we have both, right? We're, we have these fluid ancestral DNA elements of a masculine and a feminine. But yeah, we identify as women, like, oh, like if you want us to say like, you know, women, but, but it takes away that whole, that whole, I think, um, you know, like the anatomic and like our whole sovereignty to say like, we have both, we have this whole language that can do it for us. Don't, don't narrow this down by, by letting, putting us into a box of English. Um, and so to not go too far from your, from your question, I think it's helping our people to truly know our story. And to, because we've been told, like my, I, I heard my Grammy, like it helped me like so much liberation when I found out that my Grammy, like she grew up thinking when annex, and well, she wasn't alive in annexation, but when it was a territory and she grew up thinking like, like our kupuna thought like, this is the right thing to do to become part of America. And so she thought that's what my great, great grandfather wanted who raised her kamaka kaniakama but then she found out when my auntie finally found the kue petitions when the kue petitions were only found in 1995 these are petitions against the the fake ass non-existent treaty of annexation that doesn't that doesn't exist that our ancestors were again and all of we all have ancestors who have found 
who either worked to, to spread the Kuwait petitions or who signed the Kuwait petitions. And, and they were against annexation. And she was so happy to find out that the person who raised her, my great-great-grandfather, who walked on the side of her royal majesty, our queen, Iliwo Kalani, when she was the burial procession, that he had taken his, you know, like his every effort to say, no, you know, like, no, we don't want to belong to America. This is not going to be good for us. And so it's, it's speaking our truth and it's helping our family in a really loving way because it's, because as my favorite quote goes from Franz Fanon, like decolonization is a violent process, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Like I can't talk about this without getting emotional because for all of us, like we want to not become dependent on this capitalistic militarized thing that pimps us out as well of our ancestral homeland. You know, I mean, Farron mentioned um, Pearl Harbor that was the bread basket that fed could feed all of Oahu of all of this area and other people came to Oahu there's a whole article called Oahu Aina Momona that talks about how much fish we had so many fish ponds and I think there's research that is saying there's even more than we thought there were this whole system to feed people right we don't need money like we have everything we need, but but now if we were to try to take back Pearl Harbor, um, Pu'uloa, it would be so hard because like she said, they've dumped so much into that. They've dumped, the the Arizona is underneath the water and no disrespect because we all have kupuna who have served, no disrespect to that. Because I know that's a burial that has their evi, that has their bones in there, but that's p- actively polluting someplace that could feed people. But now we cannot because what get mercury get all that kind of stuff you know and so that it's a hard question but I think like for us guys we just trying to actively live it to try to lead as an example to our families and to our friends but I think for for me it's hard because a lot of them are dependent on the cash and a lot of them have been not just the military but they don't want to step away from that mind of thinking they think that the military being here, that means that we're safe from Korea, from all of the stuff that America hypes up that we're in danger for because we're in the middle of the Pacific. But also that's the driving point as to why the overthrow even took place is because of Pu'ulo, because they knew that they would need a docking point, right? Especially when the Spanish um, or the Spanish-American war is ending in the Philippines. You know, they knew that they needed a, a, a spot in the Pacific, you know, a Pacific fleet or whatever they call it. But yeah, I mean, sorry, I'm going to talk. I can talk a lot, so. No, that was freaking perfs. Yeah, yeah. that was perfs. Like, because it is, it is a really freaking big question. And I think the best the best that each of us do is like model it in our intimate circle, like in our own circles, in our own ohana, like mm-hmm. one, like educating and being educated um, about, yeah, the truth of our histories. Um, and then, yeah, remembering who the fuck we are and who the fuck we come from. Oh, well, that's it. <laughs>
Sorry. Roland said A-O. <laughs> Uh, I have a follow-up question. You know, you're talking about reviving uh, stories and truths, and that's very beautiful. And I'm, a, as a person who grew up in the Middle East, very, you know, my education was very Western. I barely know about our history. And now as an adult, I've been pouring so much energy to learn our stories, but I don't read Arabic well, right? I, I read English way better than I do Arabic. So my question to you is how do you learn about these stories? Like what are some avenues and ways that you've maintained this truth or where, where do you seek to revive them? I feel like for a lot of us, the Mauna was a really big door for us to open up and to learn Ike because prior to that, it's not really, it's not taught by our grandparents and parents because of colonization and how much that it was influenced that annexation was good that our our own family didn't know those things so a lot of us when we went to the mauna and the movement started and they held classes and they made our own university that was a a really big moment for a lot of us that we got to learn about our history and the mo'olelo and the stories that we wasn't just people that cruise on the beach. No, we actually could identify the different layers of the sky, that there is different star stars in the sky to help us voyage through. And we, our people was like the first astronauts. And that's amazing. And I didn't know that when I was a kid. I, I think I forgot to say about, about the language part they're saying that it takes one generation to lose a language right if it's being um erased on purpose right the erasure of culture by colonization and i think it's i read it takes three generations to gain it back and really like i was saying we're in the 128th year and so really we're here in this third generation not just for our language linguistically yes that is so important vital but also for the reclamation of our culture our stories Right, so is it is it just you know the powers that be aligned, or is it just true that it that in the response of everything that in three generations, like here we are now, and and, and I've heard elders as well as Kumu Kumu teachers in the university professors say, you guys are gonna be the generation that knows the most, right? My grandma, my Grammy, my dad. You know, they don't, they didn't know because it was on purpose. And still, even in the, the DOE, the Department of Education, and maybe Anu can speak to this more. The first, the first programming, or I don't know, sorry if I'm using the right word, but the first, you know, programming or series or, or edu male education thing that's part of education on the chopping block is usually Hawaiian studies, Ike Hawaii, Hawaiian knowledge, you know, or, or, um, you know, when because I, I would ask a lot of my friends who even went to public school, I went to private school, but a lot of us would talk and like we all shared a common theme, like, oh well, at this point it was cut off, never have Hawaiian language, never have Hawaiian history. And even then I went to a private school and they were still using a very Gavin Dawes shows of time, a someone who is telling our story by the lenses of them, by their own lenses, right? And so, uh, you know, it's, that's, I think that's the problem is that we have, we can keep the, the, um, 
the government, right, the quote unquote state, because it's really a fake state, um, in check that they need to, we, we need to teach our stories, but also like they were saying, the Mauna was this space that, that Presley, Artita Presley took and other people who supported her took this opportunity to teach for. We had the multitudes, literally the lehu lehu, like everyone, the multitudes there. And, and, and everybody was hungry to learn, right? Learn um, Papahulilani, Hawaiian astronomy, learn um, Mo'olalo stories, um, learn genealogy, Mo'okuoho, um, or just have talking spaces on, you know, like, why didn't I learn my language? And why am I, you know, why can't I speak this? Because it's hard for us. You know, like, I'm, I, I'm consider myself very privileged that I am able to afford to go to higher education and get pursue a master's in Hawaii, Ike Hawaii, Hawaiian knowledge, as well as reclaim a language that was taken that should have all been all of our birthrights, you know, and and I don't take that for granted. Um, and, I, and I feel like in a lot of our kulana, we want to tell the stories of our ancestors and we want to tell the stories and these truths. And so much is coming out because we were lucky enough to have the new PIPA, which is the newspaper, right? And so there, I think I read someplace that I thought a lot was digitalized already, but there's only 30, like maybe 37% and they're gonna, and I may have quoted that percentage wrong, but they're gonna try to digitize way more because in the new paper, they put stories and they put genealogies and they put, they put everything. I mean, they had, they were translating Greek stories. They were telling the story of Cinderella, Shakespeare, all in the new paper, Hawaii. You know, we were not, we were not this, this desolate small island, right? Like we are a sea of islands, like Apeli Haofa says, a sea of islands. The Pacific is all of us. You know, we are the great Moana Nuiakea, like the great ocean. We are not these tiny little helps, um, you know, helpless islands floating around. Like we, we've been to all of those places that people people traverse like Anu said we were the first like the first you know explorers without being I think invasive you know what I mean like trying to colonize we were really trying to explore for the greater good of 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 our people you know that's how we knew we reciprocated relationships um I don't know if Vaughn is back to say what she wanted to say She wow. said, babe, Karen, like, say something. Say something? Um, well, way back then, um, every ohana had a keiki that had the kuleana to um, know the oli or the chants of your family, their names, where they come from, the stories and the lands that you're, um, your kuleana lands and whatnot. And without pen and paper, all by memorization even to the point where they could remember the Kumulipo. And I just started to dig into the Kumulipo and my goodness, that is quite a very long, long chant of our, like our creation story. And then when they took away language for the hundred years to the point where I recall my grandma saying that um, they, she would get lickens or beaten if she were to even speak our Hawaiian language. So that was the gap of the disconnection of um, pretty much our life because our language has life mm -hmm. there's deeper meaning into it and so 
um, with Mauna Kea, it did help open doors at Puuhuluhuni University um, with Presley, but her providing all these other different kumus or teachers, and then we can link up with them later and follow up. Like it was such a good place to network. Like, oh, I'm interested in learning about the stars. I'll go to that class. And then see other family yeah. members too. Yeah, and then linking up with like, oh, you're my cousin. And yeah. just, it was such a good, like a huge family reunion of the whole eight islands. It was beautiful mm -hmm. to see and could reconnect and now to rebuild a kingdom. Yeah, well, going back to what Makana was saying about the school systems, like, the schools, they, they want to idolize Hawaii and they want to teach the children the hulas and teach them the songs, but not why was the hula created? Why was this song made? What does this song really talk about? We're not allowed to sh go more into that because the Hawaiian culture is not perfect. There's ups and downs in it, but it's the ups and downs is the lessons that you learn from also, but only showing the keiki, the good side of it, that's not real. That's not preparing them for Damn what it. is gonna come next in Hawaii. The realization that, no, we don't have much control of our land. And even though we are the people of this land, we're the minority here. We don't have our culture, but we're getting it back. Thank goodness. <laughs> that normalization again right it's like it's it's part of the brainwashing and the normalization of erasing culture like trickling it down in all sectors across the board yeah y'all talked about um Mauna Kea right and I'm wondering if y'all can talk a little bit more about your time there your experience there and just like specifically um, you know, what role um, y'all saw women playing, you know, at Mauna Kea, like, I think. Okay. Yeah, so, well, I feel like Farron can relate to me too, like, we're Wahine, but we pull more from our cool, our manly side. So prior to the Mauna, like I had some friends that were female, but it didn't, I, we didn't really see eye to eye on things. But going to the Mauna, that's where I found my titas, my sisters were, yeah, we like to dress up and talk about feminist things, but we also like to get dirty and get into the Aina and go beach and catch waves and let's, and, that was really powerful for me to find women, other women that are like this, like, oh, we can have cool and, you know, we can have our male and wahine side and balance it. That's the main thing is the finding the balance into both of it because everybody has a cool wahine side. It's just finding our way and finding people who can help us to balance it. That was a big thing for me in the mama. Yeah, me too. Like, I, I grew up I'm the oldest. Uh, my father had full-time custody of us, so I came from him. I know how to change my tires. I know how to change oil in my vehicle. And But for me to learn how to do makeup, I had to learn that on YouTube. 
And so my mom was around, but she just overworked herself because of the whole Pearl Harbor thing. Um, and so when I went to the Mauna, I found titas that's like, yeah, like, let's go plant this today. You know, we found that common ground. Um, mm -hmm. um, and then it did make me explore more in the feminine, which is beautiful because I didn't know that it was okay to be purely because I was, was brought up like, oh, yeah, you're tough, like, don't cry. But meeting these titas on the Mauna, I feel safe where I am able to cry. You know, I can be myself. I can make mm -hmm. mistakes. I don't have to put on this hard shell. I can be delicate as yeah. a lace as well. And so with the Mauna, I really did help appreciate and deepen the feminine for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because prior to the Mauna, or a lot of what people idolize of Hawaiian women, Polynesian women, is like, oh, hula dancers, so pretty and beautiful. I didn't, I've never danced hula in my entire life. And I live on Hawaiian homestead lands. It wasn't until the Mauna, until we wasn't, it wasn't just dancing in Waikiki for music and performance. We were dancing to protect our land, to be united together. And that was amazing. It's like, oh, this is what hula is about. Yes, I'm for this. I will dance for what is right and what is pono for our people. Yeah. Talk about our mana experience. Hey, sis. Yeah. So just like, um, because I know that y'all talked about how on the mana, like there was just so much power, right? And like seeing the the collectiveness and like the reconnecting and the unlearning. Um, and so just like if you could talk about your experience on the Mauna and then also like specifically if you, if or what role you saw women playing. Ooh, all the roles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, on the Mauna, I seen women in like literally each and every sector. And to me, I like all of us titas were at the info tent. So it was also like, we're the center of everything and we saw everything. Um, to me, the wahine or why that, that place was as grounded as it, as it was able to be, especially in our organizing. Um, but yeah, we, we had like many different stations and we had the kitchen, we had the info tent and the welcome tent. Um, that's what um, all of us titas were doing. Um, but then we had security um, but we didn't call them like security. It was uh, a couple, they were like couple aloha, um, which is like a term, a term that came from the Mauna movement, I believe, um, of like a very, it's not just like aloha that you share with everybody, like it's, it's sacred and so it's reverent. And so you gotta show up with your best self. Um, and that's what this, group of people were um and it wasn't just Kane it wasn't just men who are who were in this group there were like wahine and aunties like there are aunties in there too um and for Ho like for Hawaii like if you cut if your cousin you're like your guy cousin is going off like one of your aunties voices is all that can stop this is Kane like your auntie hearing your auntie say eh like that's what would stop men in their tracks and that's that's pretty much like, that was like a vital, like the wahine, the mahu, like they, we we were like a vital part. Um, whereas like in this society, like women are just 
wives or mothers or yeah and but but we like that too is powerful as well like being a mother and being a wife but that's not all we can do like in our yeah in like in okay like our wahine like yes we birth the babies but we also like cultivate the land and cultivate the seeds to be grown to feed the people we were the onshore fisher women um so we we were every like we were all at but also like in this in bright capitalist patriarchy like we're necessary we're not just there for the pictures and for the mauna the million mauna videos around that's going around the world no like we're a vital piece of why this organizing was successful like so many people would come to the mountain and be like oh my god this level of organizing is ah uh, and i was like yeah that's because because we have our place here too as wahine and mahu and that's when it's gonna work i don't know if you guys want to try it <laughs> i guess we can just stick with patriarchy but whatever <laughs> But yeah, that was my, that's like my read of, <laughs> of like my experience on the mountain, like, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I call, call everything, I support everything that my teachers just said. And I think, um, you know, it's like, um, you know, women, it's, it's the cool, right? The backbone. You know what I mean? I was just on the phone with my, my friend from college and she said like one day her hands just stopped working this week. Cause you know, like just being to this and our friend, our other friend who now lives in Ghana, like we were talking about it. And so I was really thinking, cause she was saying, you know, like maybe it's your lower back, it's your back. And I was like the back. And then yesterday when we were, I was at um, our lot-i, I was like, girl, you gotta like, squat down our, our tarot patches you gotta squat down and use your legs you know because your lower back is gonna take a hit and I've just like this weekend been thinking about the back <laughs> but I think it's like and I think it's an off uh, um a metaphor often used you know like women are the backbone yeah like the backbone of our communities and I think that something that we've forgotten is like we were matriarchal and there's something that I always really, I always think about all the time. You know, the, the rise of one of Hawaii's greatest kings, right, who united the Paiaino or the Hawaiians was Kamehameha Paiea, the first Kamehameha. And in some of the series of stories, he doesn't fear, he's actually told by one of his, they call them the four Kona uncles who advise him on how to actually take take Hawaii Island first and then to move his way down to the Paiaina and to all, for all the Kauaians and for all the Kauai people, Kauai never get conquered, but they, they kind of agree to become part of his kingdom, the pa you know, Paiaina, because I don't, I don't want to offend any Kauai people if they're listening to the Urgona, and I know we all have Kauai lines, so honor those guys, but they said the, the person you fear the most is Ka'ahu Manu. Now, Kahumanu is said to be over six feet, maybe six three, and probably 300 something pounds. This woman is a, a like, 
is literally Aina, right? And we've all talked about this. Aina Momona, like the, the abundant land that feeds you till you are so rich and that you rich in health, right? Healthy, vibrant. Your skin is not pale because you don't get issues inside. Like you are vibrant, like vibrant. You know, and that doesn't mean you skinny and can look like you're on Vogue, like you vibrant, however you vibrant. And I think about Kahu Manu a lot. And I think about our women who have really paved the way for us, our ali'i, right? Our, our, our mo'i, our kings and our queens and our chiefs, chief and chiefesses. Like, you know, so, so to say that, that the only person you have to fear is a woman, I think there's something there, you know, and I hope down the line, like I'll, I'll, I'll to come to even understand it even more because to say that, I think that there is, and, and I think that when folks said, right, after the kupuna get arrested on the mauna, it's going to be women who come next. And then, and then they said, you know, women, mahu, or, or, you know, folks who identify as both trans, two-spirit, all of those guys, and then it will be men, is, is because, like, we, we can bring life into this world. That is probably the closest thing to our godly ancestors, right? Like, if we're going to talk about Earth Day, this is someone who can birth and regenerate. I'm sorry, men, you just can't do that. You have another purpose and function. But for us, like, and that's what I saw. I saw women, you know, and folks who identify as the feminine to be, to be the bull manifestations of our greatest, of some of our greatest ancestors, Papa Hanaumoku, the birther of islands, Haumea, the, the mother who could birth from every part of her body, Hina. You know, all of these people, all of these women, feminine, feminine, who, who can will manifest and birth and be regenerative. You know, men can do that too, right? Because we talked about Hina and coexisting in all of us. But what we are physically given, right? This, this, it's not, it's not like a, a gift. It's an honor. It's a privilege to birth and to literally bring in the next generations you know and I think that's the greatest thing is that we've been able to find each other to honor that and to remember how sacred we are because by us doing that and holding accountable our fellow lahui our nation we will remember like re-member because we have to take back our member like ourselves that we are sacred as sacred as this land that we are protecting like we are the descendants of that land and so for me like I have I would stand I would give my life for any of these titas for any of the feminine divine because that's how we going that's how we going to continue to be is because of us because of women yes men we need them and all of us we need all of us but we we're the cool we're the backbone of our of our worldview you know and we 
we'll continue to nurture and provide as long as we can, as, as long as we can regenerate. And, um, and I think that's the greatest thing I saw there is, is the reminding that we are fierce. We are fierce. And as much as we can bring life into this world, we can take it right back out. And, um, and I can't wait for the day that we, that reckoning happens. So it can really be porno for all of us. You know what I mean? Like for all of us to be, cause it, it pains me and it kills me even through this pandemic to see all of us struggle. You know, Vaughn is raising her nephew to help Kako'o, her cousin. And we all raising our nieces, our nephews, we helping our families. This is what we do. But nobody sees that except for other women. Why is that? When are we going to be loved and revered as we should be? That is the day I yearn for. And that is the day that I hope all of our children whoever we bring up and whoever we bring into this world, that they will always be revered, that they will always be nurtured because it's in our genealogy, that's who we are and we deserve that. And I think that's what the Mona taught me is to never stand down, to never be quiet in a room. Like when you just feel like, oh, I don't wanna take up space. It's like, no, take up space because it's our time now, you know? Kukia Imona isn't just us Kukia, like the Mona. It's us Kukia Imona. It's channeling that cool and being firm, like standing firm in our belief, standing firm like the Mona, especially for us, for each other. Yeah. It just, it changed my life. It transformed my life to see the way to see women and to, Bruh, I just, I always want to live in deep respect because everybody works so hard. Like we all gave our lives, like literally our lives. And I, we would do it any day, every day, I think again. Yeah. And, and that's our aunties too. Aunties in the kitchen, aunties working the security, aunties in the, the kupuna tent. That's like all the women there. Women, I mean, Presley was not only doing the, the university, but she was wiping toilets, you know, like people, you know, doing, there is no small work. Wiping toilets is above no one. We all wipe toilets. We all walk on the side of the road, pick up cigarette butts, you know? There's no small or big work. It takes us all. And, but when the small and the big work was being done and the confrontations were to be had, it was always women being like, okay, somebody got to do it so I can do it. And I just, I hope I can generate enough love in this whole lifetime to honor them. Because <laughs> like they said, without women, brother movement would have, would have been treacherous and super sketchy. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, sisters. Like, Wow, that's so powerful. I'm over here and like, try not to cry too. Well, Loki, I did cry a little, but <laughs> it's okay. I think it just speaks to, again, like the power, even just in like, um, yeah, just like when we gather and stuff. So thank you so much for, for sharing all of that with, with us. 
um I feel like um I, you know this is something that um a lot of times right especially like talking about uh regeneration and reproduction right like um I'm wondering if y'all see particularly in Hawaii any types of connections um between the land exploitation and like violence on reproduction and regeneration of not just um, land, right, but also women. Um, yeah, so they, the connections with like the exploitation on our land and exploit, exploitation of women, women's bodies or um, our reproductive systems. Um, really, we're gonna have to look at like the root of it all, which is like first Western contact, like before land, I feel like before land was, or like at the same time, land, um, land and women's bodies were like, were the resource for these whalers and for um, these businessmen or tradesmen like coming here to our sandalwood, like Makana mentioned, like our sandalwood, like it was our sandalwood and our women, like <laughs> our young women and girls really. Um, there are a few accounts of like British ship captains taking girls as young as 10 years old to like go back with them to the Pacific Northwest um, to trade whatever they had um, for furs. And, and also these women and girls. So, I mean, there's deeper, there's, there's some more history about like Hawaiians being in the Pacific Northwest. Like what the hell is Hawaiians doing in the freaking cold? But it's because like we were taken young girls didn't even get to have their lives. We don't even know what happened to them on their voyage to the Pacific Northwest. Um, but there is Hawaiian history in the Pacific Northwest. That's probably for another podcast episode, but, <laughs> but yeah, like it goes, it goes back to that. And like our, our birthing practices and like knowledge, um, access to the medicines and the foods, like, right. Like it was our healers who were the first to go in all of our, in our, um, in our practice like yeah in our practices in our in our history like they took away the midwifery of it all like I hate that word but um and so um me and Anu always talk about this but like where where like right before we had doctors to to guide us in what to eat what kind of medicines to take what moon to do whatever on and also like if you're all of a sudden pregnant right after you gave birth, like we had access to abortion. And then with colonization, like taking our land, taking our, our bodies and taking our practices, like with colonization, they took they took those they took those they took those things away from us. Um and so like me and Anu were always like, yeah, our yeah. Me and Anu are always talking about our our tutus having like ten plus kids. 
one after another. So they're just pregnant for like 13, 14, 15 years in a row. Um, that's like, that's really like, that's where I go to is like the root of it all. It's like, you guys took our freaking medicine and like how we, how we care for each other's well-being. Um, and then same, like Makana mentioned earlier, like I'm taking care of my nephew, like my cousin cannot, my cousin can't even take care of herself. And if we had the tools, if she had the tools to like access to our, access to our like Ike Kupuna, like our ancestral knowledge, like to take care of herself and then take care of her family, she would be able to have all our kids, you know? Um, and me having him is not her fault. Like it's, it's the deeper like root of it all is like, we don't have access to our land. Like give us our land back so we can grow us medicine so we can learn about our medicine so we can grow our food and learn about our food. So we can, so we can like grow little kupunas and then learn about our past kupunas. Like just give us, give us that, but um, yes. <laughs> just to touch bases with the food and medicine. Maybe in modern times, um, military come down and they see what they're familiar with. McDonald's, Burger King, Jack in the Box, the fast food chain. And so with these businesses popping up, separation of our land and our food, food security and our medicine, we already know that these fast food chains are not Kwanos, not good for our bodies, our health, whether physical, mental, spiritual, it does not align. And so, you know, with the increase of sickness, such as a like cancer and dementia and all that kind of stuff, it starts with our diet and being that military does occupy a lot of these prime lands, along with other business, you know, occupying these lands and whatnot and not letting us have the kuleana to malama these lands, to malama our people by connecting our source with food, once again, and medicine. Um, just, I don't know, a modern vision of, yeah. Of, yeah, of reproduction. Mm -hmm. Like that's the core of our wellness is freaking food. And when you take away our prime lands and give 25% of it to the US military, of course we're not gonna have food that keep us well. And like, yeah, McDonald's is freaking cheap. Okay, I like, I will live on McChickens, <laughs> but would I rather have my land to like grow our ancestral foods? Hell yeah, hell yeah. But you know what? As long as I'm struggling under capitalist patriarchy, I'ma eat those chickens. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Uh, if there's anything else that you feel like we missed and you would like to touch up on, please do. And if you can just let us know where we can follow you and your work and how um, most of most of the people listening are going to be from the East Coast and how can we as listeners support in this resistance and support um, the work that you do? I was just telling the teachers that I don't like this question and it's like what can we do when we're from over here um, but what like the consensus in this room at least was <laughs> First of all, we're in a pandemic. Stop vacationing in Hawaii. 
Stop moving to Hawaii. I don't care if your spirit called you, sis. It's not your spirit. It's the okay. ego. Pack your shit and leave. Beat it. <sighs> but also... <laughs> Aloha means goodbye. Aloha means goodbye. Okay. But also... Um, what are, what, you know, our hoas can do is like, listen, yeah, just educate yourself. Um, our others affirm Hawaii sisters was on another podcast, um, talking about, um, the linked histories between the military histories, um, between Hawaii and Puerto Rico. There's a lot of EK in there. And then of course this, this episode, but there's a lot of, um, resources that not necessarily we we have brought um but if you want to follow our chapter um our chapter is at affirm hawaii that's a f three i r m h a w a i i um and then you can follow our personal pages and then we also like on our own stories and posts like we share ike hawaii or like hawaiian like uh, knowledge and histories about our Hawaii. Um, uh, mine is devour <laughs> the Heva. <laughs> so it's devour D A H E W A. Devour the Heva. I almost forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sis. Oh, snap. Okay. Uh, Instagram. Let's see, Saren underscore H I, S E H R E N underscore H I, Saren I. And for business account, Hakalolo Farmers, Food and Medicine, check us out. (laughs) A great way that you can be a good ally (laughs) is. Do you remember, there's this olelo no e'al that not all knowledge comes from one place. That's what everybody needs to remember. Like, yes, Hawaii, our Kanaka people, we have a lot of knowledge, but actually we learn a lot from our brothers and sisters in the Pacific too, who are also struggling as well. So I would say be open to ike and to walk with Pono intentions. When coming to Hawaii, if you decide to come after the pandemic, um, easiest thing you can do, malama aina. Pick up trash. See trash on the ground, pick it up, throw it away. That's the easiest way. Volunteer. Volunteer at farms. Homeless shelters. Yes. Or give money straight to protectors of land and water. Thank you very much. (laughs) Some people out there fighting for that and getting in court and they need money to help yes, while yes. they're, you know, arresting and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, a great books that you could read, Hawaii Story by Hawaii's Queen. It's written by our Queen Ili'uokalani. That is a great resource. Um, Dismembering the Lahui from um, Kumujano Zorio is another great book um by dr kianu side that one really talks about the illegal overthrow and annexation of hawaii those are great ways to support us and if you want to support me 
is at Instagram, Anuhea Okalani, A-N-U-H-E-A-O-K-A-L-A-N-I. Mahalo. Kana. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that Olaro no is Aohe Pau Kaike Kahala Okahi, and that is that is a great one, Anu. Um, yeah, not all knowledge is learned in one one school of knowledge, you know, in one place. Um, all of those books, um, Anu works for Namea Hawaii. They have a website and they have a lot of books on there. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm, no, and I just, yeah, that's why we hear Anu tag team. Um, because yeah, I was going through my list too of what we would, what I would recommend. There's a lot of Haunani K Trask. Um, look up what she's she. There's YouTube videos. Um, there's a whole. I think they have the 1993 march marking 100 years of the illegal overthrow. That entire film. Or there's also, I can send. I've made a little stuff for people before so I could send that um oh Aloha Betrayed um by Noe Noe Silva who also penned Power of the Steel Tipped Pen um there is some Olalo Hawaii or Hawaiian language but she does I believe translate and kind of take folks through three two Hawaiian writers philosophers um there's also um let me just look at my book. Oh, A Nation Rising, Who Owns the Crown Lands. Yeah, that would be my thing, you know, going to school on the East Coast and I got there and I was just like, okay, I'm not trying to judge, but you guys don't know shit about Hawaii. Like they were still asking me like, do you live in a grass shack? And I was like, do you uh, belong in college? <laughs> I was just like, um, I was just really floored because here I was being my you know American American history was being shoved down my throat and yet they didn't know shit about Hawaii and oftentimes I was in class and there would say maybe it would come out and I said I think you mean the illegal overthrow of the Hawaiian kingdom you know they don't it's just like do the work I remember being asked oh so when you travel you read up on places before you go to them because I was saying you know what I really think you need to do some reading and I said yeah yeah I fucking do because I would want that to tap for the same thing and I agree with them don't come here don't move here this is not the time people are driving up the markets you know what a single family house our house that has broken pipes could probably still go on the market for almost a million dollars because that's what the market is right now we don't have running water and we could still probably put our house on because of where it is, you know what I mean? That's the kind of mindset, like that's messed up. How, how are all four of us ever gonna live here without living, and intergenerational living is not frowned upon here, but how are we ever gonna have a little piece of our, our ancestral homeland? Um, so I think just do the work. You know, the, the unfortunate thing is there is, you know, it's great, there's, we have our hands, we have the internet at our hands, but consult Hawaiians, you know what I mean? Don't just go and say, oh, well, I learned this. You know, don't, don't just leave it up to Disney, Lilo and Stitch and Moana. 
Don't just leave it up to see what you see on TV. You know, open a book, buy a Hawaiian, buy a Hawaiian or an ally of Hawaiians who went consult Hawaiians. Because for us, we're living in a time where they're putting out the month. There, there's so much being being delved under scholar space. I think you don't even, you might not have to have a UH ID or a university ID, but scholar space or Google Scholar, I think has a lot of Hawaiian, a lot of the MA thesis theses that they put out. Like there's so much. So nobody has an excuse to say like, oh, well, I just thought you guys still lived under Gashak or wait, you guys don't like America or um, why don't you want to identify as an American? like Who don't does? take that away from us <laughs> exactly um and my handle on ig is pineapple princess four and i recognize that the pineapple can often be associated with plantation and shitty stuff but for me it's really reminiscent of you know someone really dear to me used to call me that so that's how i take that back <laughs> as I recognize the pineapple, but you know, for me being pine called a pineapple princess when I was little was really, I don't know, makes me feel warm and fuzzy. So I'm gonna take that back just for me. <laughs> but yeah, I think education. Yeah, and the Pu'uhuluhulu site is still up. www.pu'uhuluhulu. We can spell that, um, but it's still up. I can throw it in after. Um, it still has the chance. It still has videos. Um, I think the IG is still up. Just do the, like, also another Yeah, in doing, you're going to do the work. In doing, you're going to know the work. You got to do it. You cannot just expect for vacation here and for us to do the work for you. Do that shit on your own. And then maybe, maybe you might just earn the respect to come here. Thank you so much, sisters. Y'all heard it here first. Don't go to Hawaii. <laughs> now, do the work. Study from Hawaiians. But yeah, definitely, people need to stop on the East Coast. We see it too much, you know? People are really trying to go do their vacays, escape the cold. They've been in COVID for too long. No, Hawaii is not the place for you. Puerto Rico is not the place for you. Um, and thank you so much, sisters, really, for just, um, you know, really centering, um, like, just like, what is reproduction and regeneration, right? Like, what what is it really? Um, so, so thank you for that. And we'll for sure put all of these, um, like, websites um, and y'all's handles in the description um, for the podcast. Um, but yeah, thank you, thank you. We're gonna uh, go ahead and also do our plug. So our from Hawaii sisters are doing the damn thing. It's a, they're incredible. Um, and if you do want to follow a firm, New York, New Jersey, we are at a firm A F three I R M N Y C on pretty much all social media platforms: Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, uh, Medium, 
and we do have a couple of things coming up, including our annual summer school of women's activism, um, where, you know, talking about Pu'uhuluhulu University, um, we're trying to embody that basically and making education accessible to the people, especially for so many of us who um, have histories of colonization, who are marginalized peoples, you know, we don't have access to these things a lot of times and it's, it's for a reason, right? Like our sisters have, have, have shared with us. Um, so yeah, look out for Summer School of Women's Activism where we make that accessible for all of us. Um, and thank you again so much for today, y'all.